1: Sports fans, don't forget to head over to my YouTube channel to watch my video coming up later today on the Sixers' newfound success. And while you're up and about, head over to iTunes and give us a rating. It will really help this show continue its upward trajectory. You in? Can the Sixers sustain their recent success? Have the Raptors solved their lineup issues? Who should really be starting at guard in the All-Star game? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always on Monday, we are solving the NBA's problems one question at a time. And when I say we, I mean me and Coach Dave Dufour. Dave. Hi. Morning. It's a beautiful morning uh, somewhere in America. I'm not sure it's a great here, but its uh, is it nice where you are? It's actually really, really nice. It's like
0: 64 degrees or something like that right now here in southern Arizona.
1: Nice. Well, it finally stopped raining in L.A., so uh, we can I can uh, get out turn the sun pump off for a little while. And um, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the NBA today, or a lot about the NBA even. <laughs> yeah. And um, before I forget, don't forget to check out Dave's podcast. It's That Guy Podcast. And, you know, a lot of times people say, you know, don't be that guy. But, Dave, I want you to be that guy. I embrace my that
0: guyness fully. I'm, awesome. in, I'm, just, I'm, I'm leaning into it. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, no alternative facts here. Let, uh, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> uh, by the way, I, I loved what Steve Kerr said. I don't know if you noticed. Did you see what he said about uh, his time in Orlando? and how Sean Spicer would make it like that he was the best player of all time there and scored 18,000 points so um, let's get on uh, some, some Sixers news because certainly uh, that's uh, something that I think we can argue about uh, you know they've won eight of eleven games and I'm preparing a video uh, you know hey a little uh, you know, self uh, whatever that's called when I'm uh, shouting myself out but um, we're doing a video and we're looking at some lineups and it's exciting the, the Sixers are finally experiencing a little bit of success and I think that people are freaking out. I got to go dig up some of my my tweets from a year and two years ago that had said that, you know, this is all going to be forgotten around, I think I said, for next year when they're really good or like the best team in the East. And certainly they're not there yet, but um, I think we're seeing some signs, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. Well, so they've been one of the most fun teams to watch
0: all year. You know, they're a great story, uh, especially with Embiid being healthy. And Embiid is probably... He's in my top five fun players to watch. I just love what he does. Um, And and it doesn't hurt that he's such a fun guy, right? Like, he's obviously enjoying himself. And it's a feel-good story. The guy's been injured. He's been much maligned in the media the last couple years, all the Shirley Temple talk, you know. Um, And so they've been fun to watch. Even losing, they've been fun to watch. But, man, so far this year, they have played really good basketball. They, You know, their, their, their defense is been much improved, and they're actually scoring the ball really, really well, even with T.J. McConnell as a point guard, which I can't understand.
1: Oh, I know. Well, you know, I can understand because I, I like T.J. McConnell. He is one of those throwbacks, in a way, of a guy totally a pass-first point guard, not very aggressive at all. Now, I know I gave Ricky Rubio a lot of shit for, like, being a, such so unaggressive that it was destroying their pick-and-roll game. And, um, and so you, so that there's an issue there because he's similar in that way where he doesn't really ever look to shoot, but he's the guy that can, you know, go out there and end up getting you like, you know, an assist per minute or at least and really run the team. And he, and he plays decent defense, uh, to good defense. And so, uh, whenever I turn on and watch him, I'm always like, yeah, that's how he made the right play and he's playing within himself and I, I just enjoy watching him play. And it's, it, it is a little surprising, though, that inserting him in the starting lineup and Nick Stauskas has kind of led this resurgence, um, although I think most people would yell at me in, in my fervor for um, Sergio Rodriguez and say, yes, get him on the bench, finally. Don't let him play as much, and then they'll do better. And that's what's happened.
0: I disagree with that completely. I I, lo- I like Sergio, especially on this team. Now, maybe not so much right now, where he has to be the primary ball handler. Um, but when Simmons comes back, I think Sergio is a much better fit than than TJ. TJ McConnell is shooting twenty four percent from three on the season. I don't know how you can be that unathletic and that bad of a shooter and still be getting starters minutes in the NBA. It's 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 incredible, and it is a testament to what that coaching staff has these guys doing? Um, Embiid has been a monster. He's he scored what is it eight games in a row over twenty points or is it nine now?
1: Oh um, well, we can just go quickly check on that one. Yeah, and he he's just he's scoring the ball really
0: really well. Um, Sova is having a good run. Uh, it just feels like this whole team is just really really coming together. I mean, they're still obviously a few pieces away, but I'm looking at the standings right now. They're only five and a half games behind Chicago for the eighth seed. And, you know, only six and a half behind Indiana for the seventh seed. Now, I'm not thinking that they're going to make the seventh seed. But, man, wouldn't it be fun if the Sixers
1: made a push for the eighth seed? It would be fun. But we, before we get, you know, our panties all in a bunch over this, you have to look at who they played over the last 11 games as well. Now, part of the issue is that two of the games they lost were when Embiid was sitting. And we can talk about Embiid's intrinsic value in a second because it's pretty—it's startling off-on numbers. Uh, You know, the net ratings are crazy. But since the 30th, you know, when you look at the win over the Nuggets, which started this whole thing, you know, so it's the Nuggets, the Timberwolves, they lost to the Celtics, and that was with Embiid, but it was close. And then they beat the Nets, the Knicks, the Hornets. They lost to the Wizards again without Embiid, and that was a blowout. They beat the Bucks. Now, the only win they can hang their head on, I think, is the Raptors. That's, that was a good win. They beat the Blazers, and they lost to the Hawks. So you're really looking at teams who are 500-ish or middling around there. Uh, who are they beating up on except for the Raptors? I have to imagine, I've got to check real quick, but the Raptors most likely, I'm assuming, were on the second of a back-to-back on the road. or oh, No, they were home, actually. Forgive me. I don't know what that deal was. Do you know Raptors, any idea why bad. the Raptors lost like that? The Raptors have been bad recently. Ah, I mean, really bad. Good the, analysis. They, yeah,
0: that's that's my expert analysis. Yes, um, they have been really bad. Uh, yeah, I want to say they were just blown out. Um, was it last night or the night before? Yeah, night? they lost
1: the Suns by 12. Uh, that's it. at home. Yeah, and um, oh no, they they lost. They were at Philly uh, for that loss uh, in, in a close game, and it was it was a back to back. So that was it was the second of the back to back third and four nights. So that you know that makes sense. That that's the one of those games where you're like, okay, that's that's what that was. But you're right. They've now they're on a three game skid, um, but um, that so that, that's the thing about Philly. Right before we go move on, is that you know they you know are they haven't quite played any teams that make you excited. Now what it does indicate to me is that yeah they, they could be a 500 team,
0: right. So one of my markers for for an improving team. A decent team and a good team, right? It's an improving team beats the the teams that are like them. So the Nuggets, the the Timberwolves, you know the teams that are kind of young and but struggling. Um, a decent team beats bad teams, any bad team. And this team, that's what they're doing. They're beating okay. bad teams. Okay, so they're not a good team because a good team, you know, would have beaten. Uh, Boston, right before this run started, and you know, or at least. But they were within four points. It was a close game. Um, But they did beat the Hornets. That's a playoff team. Mm -hmm. They got blown out by the Wizards, another playoff team. They beat the Bucks, who were were contending for uh, that eighth seed. Um, And they beat the Raptors and the Blazers. So I I don't think that they're like – they're not the second best team in the East or anything. But, I, I mean, would I put them in the top eight right now? I don't know. I think it's debatable. Like as
1: they're playing this month, you know. Of course, this will change. Well, you know, if they finish five hundred for the season, which you know is, is somewhat doable, then they, then they'd be the A spot. That's that's really they where they'd the be, and uh, that would be amazing. And again, people want to avoid that. You know, that middle eighth, seventh, sixth spot. You want to, but the problem is, is to improve, you kind of have to go through that little that area for a year or two to get that experience in the playoffs. And uh, and be in that middle pack for a bit, you know, you don't want to be there for seven years in a row, but certainly, um, you know, they're, they're, you're going to pass that on the way up if you if you if you have the right setting. So um, I I'm I'm encouraged, especially because, you know, Embiid, I with look at the schedule to see just how many back to backs they have going forward, because it's just a buzzkill when they, they you know you just know he's not going to play, or they're going to sit him for that. But then uh, what's clear here is <clears throat> we're looking at the um, at the um, the five-man lineups, okay? So what's really been the big thing for them has been um, the Covington, Embiid, McConnell, Saric, and Stauskas. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the starters first. Covington, Embiid, Ilyasova, McConnell, and Stauskas. That was the new starting lineup the last like, 11 games. It's a plus 20.4. Now, the problem is it kind of drops off after that, whereas you know, they're not doing well on the road, by the way. And again, it's skewed because Embiid hasn't played in a couple of those losses. But um, they play much better at home, and uh, the bench is a, a bit of a problem. But you're going to bring in a, a bona fide NBA player in Simmons, and that is going to make for a lot of bit different changes. I always imagine for the positive. Yeah, you hope. I mean, a, a lot of this will will depend on how
0: he defends from day one, um, and how he shoots. You know, I mean, we know that the playmaking is there. Um, but I guess if you're just plugging him in the lineup for McConnell, you're going to get a better playmaker. You're going to get a longer defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the shooting is probably about the same, which, again, I don't understand the TJ McConnell thing. It's it's one of the weirdest. And, I mean, good for him. Like, he has found a way to, to be in the NBA and to stick. And, he, you know, they love him in Philly. So that's great. Um, but, man, it's just so weird to me that that, that guy is on a team. I mean um, – just because of the lack of athleticism. I mean, he de- definitely knows where to go. Um, that game winner against the Knicks was such a smart play. You know, He took off. He, he was going in for the layup, hit a turnaround that I didn't know he had in his arsenal. So maybe he just hasn't – I haven't given him enough of a chance to kind of right. see what he can do. Um, but either way, I mean, they have been playing so much better since he's been in the starting lineup. I can't imagine that they change it until Simmons is ready.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So let, let let Simmons come off the bench because I don't think anyone believes he's going to shoot well. Right. Like like you said, he's just he's his form is troubling. Um, that said, you know we're looking at Lonzo Ball shoot very well at UCLA in, in not the same kind of thing, but there's a similar idea where maybe his other eye is dominant. He wants to be a shooter from the other side of his face, but um, but I, I just don't anticipate that because we never saw Simmons shoot well in college either. We you know at least with Ball we're having some you know. Uh, there's examples, so um, but you're right. He's just another uh, another good NBA player to bring in. That I, I mean, I think he's he's going to be a good NBA player, and so that only should help. Um, and certainly, if McConnell ever went to the bench on the other end, then McConnell would be that much better too because he's probably you know best suited against the second team players. And with the motion they get in their offense, it's not that surprising to me that he can kind of have an effect without shooting well because. They're getting him off of handoffs. He's able to sort of get half a step. He's not going to get a step by anybody. But um, he's able to sort of utilize the motion to find the cracks, whereas if you want to spot him up or have him be, uh, have that threat to try and drag his defender out of the lane, like that's not going to work for him as much. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good confluence of events here. Uh, Do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Is this a a real thing that could happen? i doubt
0: it i doubt it but you know like you said um there is a process to learning how to win and i think that if they made the playoffs that would be huge for them um i do think they'll make the playoffs next year i think that they're going to be that seven eight seed next year because Embiid should be off the minutes restriction and and should be able to play back to backs and um i think and this is going to sound crazy uh we're going to be talking about Joel Embiid this summer, like we talked about Carl Anthony Towns last year, and you're going to get a lot of people saying he's a dark horse to win MVP. I, I mean, I really think so. If you look, all right, so his usage is is off the charts, and his numbers are incredible, and he's only playing like 25 minutes a night. His per 36 numbers are historic. And, you know, there's there's a huge case. I mean, obviously Harden is the the MVP right now, Um, And there's a huge case to be made for Westbrook. But I think it's time to start talking about Embiid, at least in the theoretical sense, as MVP. Not realistic because he hasn't played enough. He, He misses games and stuff like that. But to consider what he's done for this team in just making them competitive. Yeah. I mean, they were a doormat last year. And he has just made them competitive simply by being on the court.
1: Right. Um, well, by the way, you, you want to turn the game off when he goes out or he's not playing. That's the thing. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the thing. I, I kind of don't want to watch because it's so transfixing when he's on the court, and just to get a really a feeling for what it means when he is on versus when he's off. It's a thirty-two point swing. You know, basically, it's, his net rating when he's on is, is plus sixteen point seven. Oh, this is the last eleven games plus 16.7, and then when he goes off, it's negative 14.6. So you're talking about uh, – now, again, they're factoring in two of the games he didn't play. I don't know if I can figure out how to get those out of there. But either way, it's, it's, it's so significant when he's in there, when he's out, that uh, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a good argument in the abstract. He just won't play enough, and they won't win enough. Right. You know, he, he and Robert Covington um,
0: can be the two best vendors on a top-five defense. I firmly believe that. I think Embiid is is athletic enough, and and you know, the I think that the the nuances to playing big man defense in the NBA will come to him with more experience. But uh, I, I think they've got the start of something really, really great in Philly, and I wouldn't be shocked. You know, they're they're kind of like a a good point guard away from being good next season. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. I and mean, then they got to find more time for Saric. Uh, they got to figure out the whole Okafor issue, which we didn't even bring up, which is interesting because I think they should keep Noel and get rid of Okafor. Uh, that's, that's who I would do because I like what they can do with, with Noel on the defensive end as well. It's much more um, versatile. And yet uh, it looks like that's the opposite. They want to just play Noel more to, to move him, and that's, that's a bummer for me. Well, are you willing to
0: sink $18 million a year into a backup center?
1: Yeah, what's eighteen million these days? You know, okay, let's just say this: if he developed and he ended up doing what I think he could do, which would be a terrific defensive force, like maybe your best defensive player. And um, you know, I've seen him hit a jump shot like a little fifteen footer. I've seen him put the ball dribble once and go to the basket. Like you know, if he could become a guy that's you know a a threat ish from on the offensive end, and he's a tear on the defensive end, then then, yeah, $18 million in this new CBA, like, you know, I mean, I know it's going to be a, a squeeze with everybody else as well, but uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to see him give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, I'm with
0: you. Like, again, in the abstract, Noel is better than Okafor. But um, the financial realities being what they are, I mean, Okafor is cheap for another two seasons. Noel is about to get really expensive. Noel is going to be the odd man out. I mean, for a team like this, you know, when you've got Embiid and Embiid is going to play 35, 36 minutes a game at center. Um, Noel is not a four. I don't think he'll ever be able to shoot well enough to be a four. Um, the minutes just aren't there. I, I think that you can, you can use Okafor to kind of prop up the offense in second units. He's a good passer. And you know, when he's, when he's engaged and willing, he's not a terrible defender. Um, but he's got to be engaged and willing. That's the issue.
1: I mean, is it that hard to give him the twelve minutes at center that Embiid is sitting, and then um, you know get him 10, 10 more minutes or so with uh, alongside him? I don't know. It doesn't seem. I think
0: that's yeah. I don't know. You know. That's well, it, that's a weird lineup,
1: but they you know they've got options,
0: which is really nice for this team because you know they've just been so bad for the last four years. So
1: yeah, no, it's it's great to see. So and then speaking of options, we could talk about the Raptors for a second because our old friend Dwayne Casey. Is up to maybe possibly up to some old shenanigans again with his lineup playing. I've uh, ripped him to shreds in the past about it. And one thing I wanted to make clear, I was talking to somebody in the, over the weekend about this, which was, you know, sometimes you might have you know a, a whole season's worth of data to show like, okay, this is a really good lineup for you, and this is a good lineup for you, and then you get into a playoff situation and you like think right away, well, that's not a good matchup for us, and so you don't really play it. And my take is tends to be, well. Why don't you make them match up to you? This, and otherwise, why did you waste your time with like these certain lineups? You played a lot during the regular season, and then I'll just abandon them. And I think the one thing we're going to you know, maybe hammer on right now is that his most played lineup uh, this year uh, for the Raptors, the starters, with uh, Siakam in there is a negative 6.6 net rating. And there is no good team in the league that has their starters at negative net rating. None. You cannot be considered a good team if that's the case. And here we are.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, that that's the Lowry, DeRozan, Carroll, Siakam, and Um. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that lineup has a, quite a few problems, doesn't it? Um, it, it
1: does. Now, I mean, are you going to blame it all on Siakam?
0: No, 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 no. I, I actually... You know, DeRozan's having a great year. Let me couch. I'm always couching this stuff. DeRozan's having a a great year scoring. Um, He's experienced a little bit of a downturn here recently, uh, as we all expected. But his inability to shoot threes and to stretch the floor and to make the, the offense easier and his tendency to kind of pound the rock a little bit, I think that that causes a lot of trouble for that lineup. Also, you know, having Siakam instead of Patterson. Patterson is Patterson is the best four that they have on the roster. He's a good defender and he's a really good shooter. Um, he does so much for you. Just just being able to stretch the floor legitimately. Yeah. That that he needs to play over
1: Siakam. Now I think that now he's starting over Siakam, but. OK, well, now, so, yeah, we have seen that. But OK, so let's go to the we look at the lineups and you look at the net ratings. OK, the next most played lineup that they do have is is um, uh, make sure I'm completely correct here. Yes, is without DeRozan. So when you're looking at it, um, you know, with, with with without DeRozan, it's Joseph Corey, <laughs> Corey C- Joseph. I'm, I'm reading it. You know, they do it. Yeah. that's it's so dumb on the NBA media thing, but whatever. Corey Joseph, Kyle Lowry, Lucas Nagara Patrick Patterson, and Terrence Ross. This is probably their best shooters, right, all, all across, Absolutely. except for Naguera. But whatever, he doesn't need to be a shooter. And that is a plus 23.2 net rating. And it's a lot of – it's 24 games, 151 minutes. It's the second most played lineup they have. Um, and yet it's, it's, it's you know He's played the starters twice as many minutes as that, as that uh, thing. And that's, that's an issue here. Um, and I think that teams are figuring this out a little bit. And they're starting to become a problem. They've lost three in a row now. And um, this is an issue here where he, he might need – I mean, what's the change? You're not going to not start DeRozan. But I guess – and is Patrick Patterson enough to, to shove in that lineup? I guess the, the real question is, how is that lineup doing now with Patrick Patterson and the other four starters?
0: Yeah, I mean it's uh, obviously they've lost three straight, so you know they've got they've got to sort some stuff out, and the offense is a huge problem. Um, their defense actually hasn't been as good this season, um, for the whole season, but um, they, you know their offense, after being up in the you know one top one or two in offensive rating, they've dropped off here recently a little bit, and they're no longer lighting the world on fire.
1: But DeRozan has a place. And let me throw this in here because I I, I started my idea without actually knowing the answer. <clears throat> Carol Derozan, Lowry, Patterson, and Alan that the new starters—they played a ton of minutes as well. That is a plus twenty six point four. There you go. So, so Patrick
0: Patterson is is the fix.
1: Yeah, that is that seems to be the fix. Uh, I feel like Shunas is kind of the odd man out too. I, I don't know what's going on. It just seems like I haven't even. He just, it just seems like a non. He doesn't seem like he's a factor out there. Am I crazy? You know,
0: yeah, I, he's got such a, I don't know, it's such a weird game. Um, you know, he's kind of a, a more of an old school center, mm-hmm. but he can make free throws, which is great. On my podcast uh, this week, which actually just dropped this morning, um, I talked to Chris Axman from the Almighty Ball and NBA show, mm-hmm. and he gave me an interesting trade, and, and I'm, I'm curious what you think about this. Andre Drummond for Valanchunas. In theory, it sort of solves both teams' kind of issues, right? Um, You know, the the Raptors don't really need what Valanchunas does, and the Pistons do, but the Raptors could use a rebounder like Drummond.
1: And a guy to catch lops. I'm I'm intrigued. I'm not... uh... That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this before, about how I think where we both don't like Drummond that much, right? No. I don't know why he's considered as high as he is. I mean, I don't know if he still is or not, but, um, but you know, like, like, is Drummond a lot like what they had in Biombo, but, like, better? Yeah, like, right? He's probably in that same mold, but maybe he could do, he, but Drummond could produce more in the same way. Right. So kind of just cleaning, cleaning up the mess,
0: um, which is sort of what they're lacking right now, and then with you know with Patterson out there, and then I wonder about Damari Carroll and Terrence Ross, and um, you know if if the dynamism that Terrence Ross offers you at that three spot is is worth losing the defense that Damari Carroll provides. So, I mean, Dwayne Casey has options. That's the big thing. It's just will he explore them during the regular season to try to find something that's going to work in the playoffs. I mean, you know, Toronto's going to be probably the two seed. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not a lock necessarily because there's still a lot of season left, but they're probably going to be the two seed. But the time is now to figure out what you're going to do when you run into Indiana or the Wizards or some team where DeMar
1: DeRozan is just probably going to get shut down like last year. Yes. I mean, that would certainly be the conventional wisdom. Would be that teams, you know, the good teams will know how to defend that and know how to take away enough where he's really taking. So those contested 17-footers are now contested 21-footers and 22. And that's always yeah, what we've been saying the whole time is that, you know, you get out to that far and all of a sudden those are not as good shots as they are when they when he's making them closer. Um, yeah. I mean, I, so I guess this is the thing now. The inevitable DeMar DeRozan to Frozen. Playoff run. Right. Right. Exactly. OK. So uh,
0: we've got we've got a few questions. Um, if you want to if you want to answer some don't, questions. Don't.
1: Be that guy, please. OK.
0: Well, I, actually, it's not quite a question. Uh, someone just asked us to talk about DeMarcus Cousins foul on Dwayne Wade. The little touch Oh, foul Yes. The playoff the <laughs> yes. Night.
1: It was horrible, ridiculous, the worst call I've seen in a long, long time. And the only thing I did, I was looking at it because I was uh, traveling, but I saw like on my phone. I just couldn't figure out which ref called it. Was it the lead official or the trail? Because that would obviously give some indication of what was going on there. We, was there a two-minute report on that one?
0: Yeah, it came out, and, and they said that they made the wrong call. OK. So
1: it, we all feel better now.
0: Yeah, that's what actually what DeMarcus Cousins said.
1: Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. You know, and you know my what? bad.
0: And rightfully so. Like, rightfully so. He has a right to be upset about it. It, did, it cost him a game. And, you know, even though I don't necessarily think that they should, but they're trying to make the eighth seed. Right, well, uh-huh. wait, it didn't quite cost them the game. Remember, they were down by one,
1: right? Isn't that what happened? No, that, that put them on the free throw line to when they were tied. I oh, it was a tie game? Well, I, thought, I thought Chicago was already up by one anyway. But anyway, uh, um, yeah, it was a terrible call. It, it directly affected the game without question. Uh, Dwayne Wade, you know, if you want a sign of him losing his athletic ability, there's a good one right there for you. Um, and, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be frustrating, and it's got to be connected to who Boogie is. And, you know, there's probably some karma associated with that. Um, and that's his burden, unfortunately, but I doesn't excuse the call at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I agree completely. Um, it was a nice flop though by D Wade. I mean, you know, give the man credit.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, it's embarrassing to do what you do to miss like that. It, it is. It is. I mean, you know, those, that's one of those instances where it's like, oh,
0: I have to grab my knee or my hamstring or my back. back. Oh, that's, I miss it so bad. I
1: see. Cause I never miss those dunks. Yeah. At least not recently. Not recently. You know, I I throw that down, I don't, you know, clean through the net, don't hit my head or anything on it. So, um, yeah, so that that was just a real problem. And again, it's, there's, you know, there's this notion of stars and getting calls and, you know, or not getting calls uh, just because of who you are, which is, again, that's life as well, right? I mean, it happens everywhere, Um, you know, just like Nazis getting punched, it happens. You know, it kind of reminded me really quickly, but we're talking about Damari Carroll, and this came up earlier. I don't know how people are interested, but the the notion of the Hawks struggling and kind of losing their way, I think it's directly related to them when, as soon as Damari Carroll left. I agree. And 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 as soon as they plugged, um, and and also in conjunction with that, as soon as they plugged um, uh, the lefty into his spot. Ken Bazemore into his spot. Um, and, you know, the funny thing was is that the next year, uh, and I, I had forgotten in the big year, the great year they had, Basemore's on that team, was coming off the bench. I kind of had forgotten. I thought they switched him out one for one. But, um, you know, Bazemore gave them almost the same numbers as Carroll the next year. But, yeah. and it's probably worth a breakdown. It, it, it was intrinsically such worse basketball from him. His passes are almost always off uh, off target. And guys had to be reaching. Instead of Demari Carroll throwing a nice, easy pass for a nice, easy catch and shoot, they'd be about his knees or they'd be way off target. Uh, his decisions on how to drive and when he would, and these wild forays to the rim. So, um, so I think that that ended up being a real big um, a turning point for both teams. And then, of course, when Carroll goes to the Raptors and gets hurt uh, as much as he did, that, that also really killed the Raptors because had they had him, that might have changed some other things as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, he's a guy that has shown that he could guard LeBron James. And of course, that's what everything is about in the East. Um, you know, that year that the Hawks won 60 games or 62 or whatever it was, I don't think they were actually a 60-win team. You know, I think they won a lot of close games that, you know, were like 50-50 games. I don't know, I don't know the numbers on what the point differential was, but I feel like they were more like a 54-55 win team rather than a a 60 win team. So there's a little bit of fool's gold there, I think, with the record. But but I think the bigger thing that Damari brought to the Hawks was it, again, it was culture. You know, mm-hmm. hard nose. They were playing they were playing great defense that season. And you know, I mean if you're if you're trying to defend, I'd rather have Damari Carroll than Kent Bazemore.
1: Right. Well also the thing with that was Damari Carroll was their leading scorer in the playoffs. Right. And he's your best defender. And then he goes away. And they wanted to make it seem like, oh, we can just replace him. And you no, know, you know, I know that you know the, the other guys like Horford and Millsap were like the leaders and 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 doing well in Teague, but um, that he was their best player in the playoffs, and, and then he until he got hurt, and so. Um, that was uh, that was not to be overlooked, and uh, and I you know it, it's kind of funny because Carroll wouldn't necessarily be a guy you'd assume would be oh he's this real big X factor game changer, but he 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 was at that time, and I, I don't know if he's ever fully recovered. It seems like he's rushed back from knee injuries, and he he doesn't he, he doesn't have the same impact now as he did back then. It doesn't feel like even even now.
0: Yeah, I mean he he obviously the knee has not recovered uh, to where it was. Um, And you know, that's that sucks. It sucks for Toronto because, you know, they signed this guy thinking, All right, now we've got another another cornerstone piece. Mm -hmm. We've got, you know, Lowry DeRozan, Damari Carroll, and he has been kind of a shell of himself so far.
1: It, it, and by the way, it'll be interesting to see because obviously they had the high hopes they were going to compete with Cleveland. This is probably one of their last chances. I and mean, I know that Lowry and DeRozan are kind of still young-ish, but at some point, if you lose two, three, four years in a row, you know, the same way, then you're probably going to, you know, I don't think uh, Ujiri is going to continue the same path. So you might think that they're going to maybe do something to, to shake it up. Um, and, and you kind of wonder, like, that was their, they might have already passed that by and it might be time. Well, Lowry's
0: thirty-one, or he will be thirty-one, yeah. and he's he's on an expiring contract, so he's going to be looking for a max from Toronto this this summer. Oh yeah, He'll and he's good. Him. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know if you give him that. Oh, I mean, he I, I, have a lot of miles on him, which is nice.
1: They'll they'll give him the max, and you know they might regret it the last year. Uh, what's a, is it five years now? I think fun. it'd be a five. You know, year know, so maybe they regret the fifth year, but they'll get you know they'll get good numbers I think for the next three or so. But um, yeah. You know, but it is interesting. It's interesting how all these things ended up getting inter- are very interconnected and like one move here affects everything else. Um, and do, do you have any other questions? By the way,
0: uh, let's see. Looking, uh, somebody wanted us to talk about Westbrook being snubbed out of the All Star starting lineup.
1: Ah, okay. I mean, well, it's a
0: popularity contest. So, I mean, you know, it has not, that's not a basketball decision. So I don't really have, like, much of an opinion on it um, except for maybe don't let the fans vote.
1: Yeah. I mean, my opinion is that Westbrook has had a better half season than Curry.
0: Yeah. And should be the
1: starter. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. Like if you want to finish that sentence, you're more than welcome to. I can just, I'll go as far as saying he's had a better year than Curry and, uh, you know, and, and shrug and walk away. I don't know what else to say because it happens all the time because you know what? Isaiah Thomas had a better year than Kyrie Irving. Oh yeah. It was Kyrie named a starter. Yep. See, it should have been,
0: all right. So John, it should have been Kyle Lowry and John Wall because I think John Wall has had a better season than Isaiah Thomas. Oh, well, now let's get
1: into something here.
0: Well, all right. So Isaiah Thomas is scoring 28 points a game. He's been fantastic, but his defense is a is a negative for, for Boston. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's like the lineups that he's in there is like plus two or something like that. And, and don't get me wrong. I love to watch him. I mean, this is like a Westbrook thing for me. Like, I love to watch Westbrook play. I love to watch Isaiah Thomas play, but his his size is a liability. On defense no question I mean he he has a hard time defending um, you know anybody with any sort of size is just gonna shoot right over him and yeah like I mean his scoring is great but if you're if you're scoring 28 and you're giving up 26 you really really aren't doing that much whereas John Wall you know he's scoring 22 so he's not that far behind um, you know he's initiating more offense uh, being more of a playmaker than Isaiah Thomas and he's playing, you know, John Wall, like 95% of John Wall-level defense. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think John Wall's been
1: better. You know what? Uh, that Because the video I was going to do this week was why Isaiah should start over Kyrie. And guess what? It should be why Isaiah should start over Kyrie and then comma, and then why John Wall should start over Isaiah. So, yeah. um, there you go. Yeah. So that's – or maybe I'll just do the uh, the, the greater than symbol. Uh, you know, what is it? Uh, uh, Kyrie less than, uh, Isaiah less than Wall. Um, yeah. fascinating. You are right. You know what? You are right. I, I mean, as far as the numbers in the output go, I'm going to have to dig into the number, dig into the footage and just sort of watch some Wall from this year. But you're right. He, he if, when Wall's doing Wall things, then he is, uh, as good as anybody in the league, uh, at that position. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So we'll have to have a, a couple quotes in there to, to power, uh, on Twitter for this podcast. But um, fascinating stuff. Uh, have you watched much Wizards this year? You know,
0: so I, I watched the other day. Um, I watched the game with the Pistons. And, you know, it's, it's difficult um, because the Pistons are not very fun to watch. And what you could see, what they wanted to do was kind of slog it out with the Wizards the Wizards wanted to get out and run, which I love. You know, when you've got Beal and you've got Wall, definitely run. Um, Otto Porter has been fantastic this year, and every time I'm I'm watching him, he's doing good stuff. Um, he's hitting threes. He's playing good defense. He's going to get a max deal this summer. Yeah, of somebody. Um, and and if the Wizards are smart, they're going to try to keep him. And uh, yeah, they've been they've they've been really interesting. I watched a bunch of their games early. And they were bad. And so now that guys have kind of gotten healthier, John Wall included, um, they're really, really turning it on. And, and you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. They, I mean, they did just lose to the Pistons on that, on that tip-in. Um, but that final possession was really – it was impressive. Um, Otto Porter blocked a three by Tobias Harris and going out of bounds. And then Tobias Harris gets his own rebound and puts up another shot. And uh, wait, is it Marcus? Is in Detroit? Marcus Morris. Yeah, comes over the back of his brother Marquise for the tip in. I mean, it was it was a good defensive possession by the Wizards, um, and they just got unlucky. But it was still that that last minute and a half of that game was pretty fun to watch.
1: Absolutely. I mean, which also reminds me, I was watching the game at the end, uh, the uh, Spurs versus the Cavs, which is oh, also yeah. a very fun game to watch. And, um, you know, the Cavs, they, they might have some reason to be concerned a little bit. Uh, now, I, I tweeted out that this would be a, an awesome finals. And it was a bit of a troll job. Uh, and no one really picked up on it because the absence of this would be an awesome finals because Warriors Cavs won't <laughs> would be right. the next inference. Which I didn't say, but, <clears throat> but um, I, I'm thinking that, um, you know, again, we, we talked about Pop last time, right? And, and how no one criticized him. And I tell you. You know, it, it, why Manu's out there again at the end, you know, and defensively when, when, they, when they need something better uh, and he's not out there. And I was at a bar, it was hard to hear. I didn't know if there was like a Simmons was in foul trouble or whatever. But, um, you know, there's some really interesting things going on. And then they zone up the last play and, um, you know, Slow Mo falls asleep and doesn't. Doesn't fi- I, 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 What seemed to me clear was that they're going to zone, and if a guy cuts through your zone, then you stay with him after the right. initial screens, which is, a, which is a great defensive concept. But Anderson um, completely doesn't go with uh, Love. Gets a wide-open shot with 0.7 seconds to go to, sh- to catch and shoot it. And just, I don't think he hit the rim, right? No, he shot an air ball. I mean, it was tough, though. You know, point It was point six, so it was barely oh. catch and shoot. Um, okay.
0: It was a tough shot. And, and, and Anderson did get there to contest. But, you know, you said it. The, the weird lineup stuff that Pop is doing. I mean, having Manu out there at, in defensive crunch time when they had a lead. Yeah. They, were, they continuously gave up the middle. And there was no thought of putting Dwayne Dedman on the floor. Even though Dwayne Dedman had, had really, like, dominated when he was in that game. Um, yeah, it, it's – I don't know, man. It's like some more of this stubborn Pop stuff. And I know, like, he doesn't care about that game. You know, he's trying to prove points or he's trying to build up confidence or whatever. But yeah. it's so frustrating that he doesn't play his best defenders when he's got a lead in crunch time.
1: Yeah. Now, the other thing that I thought was interesting, that I need to get Ronnie on here and talk about, was the, the timeout that they apparently they gave the Cavaliers that, that set up that last shot. That could have been a game tire. Um, you know, LeBron goes up in the air to get the missed free throw and tries to snatch it and call timeout at the same time and ultimately just fumble the ball. And and he did not have possession. You need to have possession before you call timeout. And they gave it to him, right? I mean, that was – I didn't hear the audio on the screen, but it seems like they, they inbounded into to the half court. It must be a timeout, right? They did give him the timeout, and it, it shouldn't have been. So we had, like, the Wade call. We got LeBron call here. You know, it's frustrating. These are the things that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. You know, uh, Jeff Van Gundy
0: brought up a good point about the replay stuff. His thing was, why can't these refs just have an earpiece? And so when they when there's a close call, someone can just say, yep, he stepped on the line or, yep, he had possession or whatever, instead of going to the to the table. And these guys have to then go on the screen and they've got to be like, you know, hey, back it up. Can you zoom in? All this other stuff like, yeah, isn't that the point? Like we've got the replay center. We don't actually need those referees watching the replay. Can't we just say we trust the guy at the in yeah. Sikkakas to to look at the video and then wire it in? That's Well, it.
1: but isn't the guy in caucus ultimately making the decision and then telling them or not?
0: No, the referee on the floor is still making the decision. That's why he goes to the oh, booth. Oh, I see.
1: I, they're, they're just weighing in, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, you know, I guess it was never really clear. I guess I assumed because they have all those screens and that whole thing in New Jersey that they right. get to decide. But either way, uh, you know, it's just a, it's frustrating because I don't. I think you know, good referees. Are usually in good position and they can make the call, correct call, either way. And and so uh, I have a feeling that. You know, and, and by the way, the review of that call for the LeBron timeout wasn't about whether he had a possession. It was about what time the clock should be at. Right. And they must have been like looking at them, saying, "Ah, oh, crap! I, we blew this." You know. And but there's no way to change it at that point. Um, although you, you you could have. I mean, it seems like you could, oh, you know what? You couldn't. Like you just would have called the game over because. The yeah. game, the clock when it ran out, so right, uh, you know it's troubling. People were asking me on Twitter, like, do I feel like the um, the refereeing is is worse now um, or, or is an issue? And you know we've had years where it's been terrible, and we've had years where it's been quiet, which means good, basically. So do you think there's been anything worse than normal? No, I just think it's more scrutiny. You know,
0: it's just like um, when people think the world is more violent. <laughs> Because there's more More. news, right? But it's actually, this is the safest time to be a human being on this planet ever. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's just more scrutiny. We're, you know, the last two-minute report, you know, we're we're now seeing, like, they're admitting the mistakes when they make them instead of just moving on. Which, if you move on from them, people don't talk about them, except for, like, the Robert Rory hip check and, you know, things (laughs) like that. they got to be huge. And so... Yeah, it, it. I think that that's it. It's just it's it's now under a microscope because of how much attention the NBA and, you know, like, the Sports Center Sports Center will show a replay of a bad call sixty times. How many times do they show a good call?
1: Right. Uh, maybe I should do that. I should do a breakdown. Look at how we called traveling, and he got his 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 fists up and down around each other <laughs> so well. You know. You and- know. Now <laughs> I was impressed with the refs in that game, uh, for the most part,
0: because. You know, LeBron picked up three fouls in the first half. When was the last time that happened? And one of them was an offensive foul, and LeBron is one of the most egregious uh, offensive foulers in the NBA. Like, he barrels through guys, drops his shoulder, which is illegal, sticks his arm out all the time, and they actually called him for it and called him for two travels. So, you know, I I think that they did a pretty good job. Like, they called stuff the way that they should have been called. And – you know, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that timeout. And honestly, as a fan, as a guy watching right. the game at home, I want him to get the timeout.
1: Yeah. I yeah, want him absolutely. to have
0: a shot at it. Yeah. And I yeah. wanted Kevin Love to hit the three. Let's let let's have another OT. It was a fun game.
1: Yeah, no, all that very, very good points. And uh, I missed the first out, so I didn't see the traveling calls. But I, I feel like I wonder if I had a hand in that. Because I've been, over the last couple of weeks, tweeting out videos of travels from him and from Harden. Uh, although, you know, gather, step, whatever. And I'm just kind of being provocative. But um, at some point, it gets it, – it, there's something going on here where it's like it's just too many steps. And yeah. we need to you know clean that up. Well, now I've come out
0: – I've come out as a guy that doesn't think that we need to call more travels. I think we need to call travels when the player gains an advantage. But like a guy at half court lifting up his pivot foot – like, uh, all right. The one travel that I'm OK with them calling was that Russell Westbrook travel from the other night. OK. What the right? hell was that? Uh, you know what, man? I think he was coming up to check the ball up. That's the only thing. Yeah, I could think of. he was <laughs> right. like, hey, "Hey, check, check, check." What's the score? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I just, it was, it was, it was really funny. And you know, I feel bad for for Russ because, like, that's embarrassing. Um, well, here's
1: here's why the worst part about it. Are you ready? Are you Listening? Are you sitting down? I am. because. You know, as we all did, we talk about this before in the other podcast, or have I talked about this with everybody else? I can't remember now. Here's here's the deal: like when you watch Sampras and Agassi play, I feel like this is the point I made before. They one of them might lose a point in the second in the second um, set and be like, "That was the match. That one point in the second, you know, they, it's going to be six four, six four, six four now because of that." Well, they were in the middle of a run in the third quarter. And this is the, the, the Warriors run that they do every third quarter that's going to decide the game. And if you can't, you need to get a good shot every time down in the middle of that to, to stay pace. So what happens? He travels there. He takes three horrible shots and turns over another turnover and then dunks in, one, in there once in the midst of all of that. And, and it's then, a 20-point team. Yeah, and then they're done. It's a 12-point lead, and it's over. It's over. Yeah. The game was done when it was a close game, and you never know. You had a shot, and so Russ could have all these numbers. He could score 30 points after that, and, and 10 assists in the fourth quarter. But it's it's for not because he, of what he did there, and that was the poster child for what was going on. And it was it was. I don't. I don't even know people. The NBA guys I heard I, I talk to like they they don't even understand what that was. They cannot figure out what it was. It was
0: a brain fart. You know, it's sort of like when guys try to inbound the ball for the other team. You know, like I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not thinking too much about it. I, I thought it was funny, um, but you know what? Hey, th- that reminds me. We haven't even talked about the Warriors and the Warriors just finished a fantastic week. Yeah, a great week. I mean, they are on a run right now. I mean they they decimated the Cavs on Monday. They destroyed the Thunder on Wednesday, and then they just completely blew out the Rockets on Friday, Um, and then not to mention on Sunday with Orlando, but, you know, it's Orlando. Um, They had a really great week, and so, you know, they avenged two of their losses on the season, Mm -hmm. and uh, in convincing fashion. So, um, how about the Warriors? Do you think that there's a chance the Warriors don't lose a game for the rest of the year?
1: Um, you know, you, I tough. mean, you know, I. They, but they can easily almost match what they did last year at this point. Yeah. Now they have lost a couple, so they're not going to get to seventy three. But, um, yeah, like that. Here and here's the thing: it's the way they're doing it. And what I, what I'm gathering, and if you combine both, the uh, and I should do a maybe a breakdown to kind of merge both Warriors Cavaliers games. What's clear in my mind, and even though they lost that one, you know, at the end against the Cavs, is that the Cavs have no answer for Kevin Durant. He overwhelmed Kevin Love, I thought, defensively. I thought Kevin Love was trying to try and post him up, and he couldn't really do that. And uh, he certainly doesn't take him outside very well. And I thought that uh, on the other end, Durant was just having his way for – 80% Eighty percent of both those games. So like maybe a hundred percent of the game two, and then most of the game one. Uh, there was a moment like in that third quarter of game one where I'm like, they just there's just no answer. They, they, it's going to be overwhelming to them, and it's like, so can the can the Cavs beat them in seven games? Like, yeah, and it would have to be a titanic, amazing, incredible effort. That's the only way they're going to do it. And eight out of ten times, it, you know, the Warriors just have too much. Well, that's what it took last year. Yeah, you know, like. It, and And the
0: Warriors, for all intents and purposes, got better. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't I, I think that the Warriors right now are playing probably the best basketball that we've ever seen, including better than last year's Warriors team. Um, for all the talk about them needing a big man. Uh, until David West went out, you know, they have been really, really solid. Zaza has really come on. he's been he's been that ninety eighty five to ninety percent of boget that they need. Um,
1: well, let's he still not get misses, crazy, but okay.
0: Yeah, it's, but he still misses three wide open layups a game, um, and yeah. uh, and Javale's been okay, you know. And uh, you know they're they're getting production in places where they didn't expect. So, yeah, I mean, I think as we all know, the Warriors are really good, and it's probably you know their championship. But to change the subject, you, have you seen the breaking news today? I have not. Star Wars Episode Eight now has a name. Okay. This
1: just popped up on my screen. What is the name? The Last Jedi. Oh, right. It, it's going to have to be Rey, I guess, The Last Jedi, right? Or it, Jedi's plural. Oh. So, yeah, look at you. That's true. Look at you with the whole uh, Jedi, uh, uh, <laughs> um, oh, crap, grammar, the Jedi grammar. There you go. Um, yeah yes uh okay that's well that's very exciting after you know rogue one being what it was um you know not not a bad little you know th- thumb up uh you know in the middle of uh this the run so uh, okay that's exciting the, the the last Jedi the last Jedi yeah that's that's awesome I'm
0: just look I'm just fiending for more Star Wars news well you know it's got to get me through the rest of January and February.
1: Well, well, then, well, when is it coming out? Like in December?
0: December 15th, yeah.
1: All right. All right. Good. So, well, you know, it's not that'll be here pretty quick. So, But we got a lot of basketball before that. And yeah. uh, we'll have to find out what's going on. So, Dave, thanks for, for breaking this down with us. I thought, you know, this was a really interesting discussion because it went through a lot of, you know, sort of maybe not the kind of thing you would think would all connect in a way.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's. I like when we get a chance to talk about teams rather than just like. This guy, and we actually get to talk about a, a lot of like what's happening with a few teams, and especially like teams that are doing some interesting stuff right now. Um, things to look for this week, like the six, the sixers, right? Like, can they keep this run going?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, they're playing the Clippers, but the Clippers are now, you know, not the Clippers either. And, so, and Blake's coming back, but not tonight. Um, also, there's the rumor that Ben Simmons will be back Friday. Yep, and that would be so, uh, against the Rockets. But uh, yeah, you look at their schedule. Clippers, Bucks, Rockets, Bulls, Kings, Mavericks. They could continue this. They could keep winning. Yeah, I, and, and so that that's something to watch.
0: Um, and then the other thing is, you know, like, the trade deadline is not far away. And so I wonder if we, we start to hear more and more about about guys getting moved. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me to just – and I'm not saying it's going to happen. But if you start hearing the the Lillard-McCollum stuff, um. don't be surprised
1: well you heard it here first folks or you heard it here to hear second or third but you know somewhere well thanks for coming on the show Dave to break this stuff down and we will do it again next Monday as always as we solve some more problems in the NBA with all your questions and all of our answers so thanks for joining us and don't forget sports fans at B-Ball Breakdown we're not a channel we're a conversation you in? you in Dave? yes I
0: am